welcome to Bangor Community Church Podcast. We pray that you will be blessed today as you hear the Word of God. It's my uh, honor to be able to invite Pastor Kent Jensen to um, the platform today. And, um, you know, we've been just so blessed, you know, not only in the ministry, but just pouring into Brian and I personally and just, you know, hearing what God has put in your heart, Kent. And uh, you've been pastoring about 19 years. Is that right? Yes, at Olaga, Olaga, Oklahoma. And he's three adult children, four grandchildren, and a beautiful wife. Hallelujah. So we're going to be blessed today. I encourage you, take notes, receive what God has through this sermon this morning. Let's welcome him, church. Amen. I want to say a word of thanks to uh, Pastor Karen for the invitation to be with you today. I don't take uh, those types of invitations lightly because of someone that opens their church and entrusts the pulpit to to me to share the word of God. I take very seriously. Uh, and so I want to say thank you. They've been such gracious hosts, Brian and Karen, over the last several days as we've been here uh, speaking in the pastor's conference uh, just up the road in Antrim. And uh, thank the Lord for their great leadership, not only here in this church, in King's Harvest Church, but also in Northern Ireland. God has given you great pastoral leadership. And why don't you just take a moment and thank the Lord for the pastors that he's given. Amen. God bless you, Karen. I know they have a heart for the Lord, and I try to observe things. Are there any first-time guests here today? Maybe this is your first time to be in Bangor Community Church. Looks like maybe not, but it's my first time. And so I want to tell you what I see. As a first-time guest, I look around churches, and I try to see what... What's happening? What's going on? I see a a church that has a heart of worship. The worship was just amazing. And I thank the Lord for the exuberance in worship that I experienced as I was here. Celebration, praise, uh, Seth up on the drums, very first time. A church that has a heart for the next generation, being a part of what God is doing. That's a church that's got health. That's a church that's got life. Uh, I have a son named Seth, and uh, this Seth reminded me his name is an anointed substitute. And that's what he was today. The main drummer wasn't here. He was an anointed substitute, willing to use his gift for the Lord. People that want to use their gifts in ministry, they want to use their gift to glorify God. That's That's a church that's going to touch its community. I also like the pulpit right down here on the floor. I've been throughout Europe. God's privileged me to travel to several countries, Germany, France, Switzerland, and other countries throughout this region. And I've gone into many of the cathedrals that are they're old. Anybody ever been in any of those old cathedral buildings? They're, they're all over. They're not in Oklahoma. If it's 200 years old in Oklahoma, it's old. But in Europe, you've got thousands of years of history and go into some of those cathedrals and the pulpits way up there on the wall somewhere but here the pulpit is right down on the floor where the word of God is close to the people because he wants his word to be close to you he wants it to be in you 
a part of your daily life. And I so thank God. I see a church with a heart of prayer, people coming forward to experience God, to find the touch of God, people praying for one another. That's what God's house is to be all about. And that's what I'm going to talk with you about this morning if you want to take out your Bible and turn with me to Matthew's Gospel, the 21st chapter. While you're turning there, I'll just share a couple of other things about myself, for the Word of God tells us to know those who labor among us. And so... I wasn't raised in church. My family would attend occasionally when I was just a small child. My parents divorced when I was eight years old. And by the time I was 14, I was raising myself, putting myself through high school, working a full-time job as a, in a restaurant, sometimes sleeping in the high school locker room, sometimes sleeping in the back seat of my car that I purchased with my own money. And I felt like if there is a God, he doesn't care about me. Kids would tell me about Jesus, but I didn't know Jesus. All I knew was struggle. All I knew was hardship. All I knew was difficulty. And can I tell you, the world is filled with young people just like me, people who need encouragement, people who need inspiration. Well, I started dating a girl when I was 16 years old. Her family attended a Baptist church. Her mother said, if you're going to date my daughter, you're going to church. So I went to church three times a week, Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night. I see somebody pointing at their, their, their wife over here. <laughs> that was maybe your experience too. Three times a week. Well, I can tell you, you can go to church three times a week and you can still not be a Christian because I, I didn't receive Jesus. I heard a lot about Jesus, but I didn't receive Jesus until I was 23 years old. That girl became part of my history, but I met my wife, and her family didn't attend church, and we were just going the way of the world, secularism and all of the things, partying, the lifestyle of worldliness, until two days before my oldest daughter was born, our first child. The Holy Spirit had been working in my heart. I'm so thankful that the Holy Spirit talks to sinners, Amen. I was working in an area of our home, remodeling a room for a nursery, and the Holy Spirit spoke to my heart. It was on a Saturday night, and the things that he was speaking to me, just really interesting the way God works. I want to back up just a moment, because throughout my life, there are just those instances where people would talk with me about the Lord, or I would find a, maybe a Bible tract, and I would read that, and you know, the Word of God says one man plants, another man waters, but God gives the increase. And so don't ever underestimate those small things because I've got distinct memories of, of specific times when somebody would talk to me about the Lord and God would take those seeds and cause them to come to fruition on a Saturday night in my own home in a nursery as the Holy Spirit was weighing heavily upon my heart about my need to change direction of my life so that the direction of my family would be changed. You see, when you receive Jesus, he changes everything. He changes the direction, the course of your life. And so I made a decision that Saturday night. I was going to church on Sunday morning. Understand, I didn't really know come here from Sikkim about the Bible. That's a, an Oklahoma phrase. Come here from go get them. I didn't know anything about the Bible, but... I knew I was lost. I sat in the church on that Sunday morning, enjoyed the services, the singing, 
and the ministry of the Word. And I left there that day knowing that I was going to go back Sunday night. That church had a Sunday evening service that started at 6 p.m. And I went back that evening, and it was in an altar of prayer that night that I invited Jesus Christ to be my Lord and Savior. I was filled with the Holy Spirit with the evidence of speaking in other tongues. I didn't know anything about that. I knew was Jesus made a difference in my life. And from that day till this, I've been endeavoring to grow in my relationship with him. And so I just want to encourage you, grow in your relationship with Jesus. Don't get stagnant. Don't get stale. But let the word of God dwell in you richly. If you have your Bible open, Matthew 21, I invite you to stand with me for the reading of God's word. The Bible says, beginning in verse number 12, Matthew 21, Jesus entered the temple courts and drove out all who were buying and selling there. He overturned the tables of the money changers and the benches of those selling doves. It is written, he said to them, my house will be called a house of prayer, but you are making it a den of robbers. The blind and the lame came to Jesus at the temple and he healed them. But when the chief priests and the teachers of the law saw the wonderful things he did, and the children shouting in the temple courts, Hosanna to the son of David, they were indignant. Do you hear what these children are saying, they asked him. Yes, replied Jesus. Have you never heard from the lips of children and infants? You, Lord, have called forth praise. And he left them, and he went out of the city to Bethany where he spent the night. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word of truth, and thank you for the privilege of being able to share with these people of Northern Ireland, so gracious to me this week, and I thank you, Heavenly Father, for pouring into their lives the power and the anointing of the Holy Spirit, for it's through your divine enablements, Lord, that your light shines out through us. You penetrate the darkness, Lord, and you bring us to your wonderful light. You bring us to new birth through faith in your name. And I ask, Lord Jesus, that the life, the abundant life of Christ would abound in each one. You know every individual here. You know their individual struggles. And I pray, Lord, that before they leave this place, their faith would be elevated. Lord, that they would be lifted into your very presence, O God, to experience the joy of your loving kindness. In Jesus' name we pray. And all of God's people said... Amen. You may be seated in the house of the Lord. Story of an old country preacher down in Mississippi coming out of a church one Sunday night after the service. He was tired. A long day of ministry and certain stresses going on in that local church. A little bit of divisiveness. I know that never happens here at BCC. But he'd been going through a season of conflict in his church, and he was worn out from a long day of ministry, prayer, and all that goes along with pastoring. And as he stepped out of his church onto the steps, he saw a little boy riding his bike up and down the street in front of the church, just making circles back and forth. And this little boy, about eight or ten years old, looked up at this tired old pastor, and he said, Hey, preacher, is that God's house? 
Hey, preacher, does God live in that house? Is that the house of God? And that old tired pastor thought to himself, sometimes I wonder. Sometimes I wonder. Jesus had entered the temple area, we find here in this story from Matthew 21. The events preceding his presence at the temple were marked with shouts of celebration in fulfillment of Zechariah 9.9 as Jesus had ridden on a young donkey into the city of Jerusalem. The people had spread their garments and they'd spread palm branches on the ground in front of him and they had sang and quoted from Psalm 118, give thanks to the Lord for he is good. Let the house of Israel say that he is good, his mercy endures forever. Let the house of Aaron say his mercy endures forever. Let those who fear the Lord say his mercy endures forever. Verse 26 of that passage says, Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. From the house of the Lord we bless you. The Lord is God. He has made his light to shine on us with bows in hand. Join in the festal, festal procession up to the horns of the altar. For you are my God and I will praise you. Give thanks to the Lord for he is good. His love endures forever. You ever need inspiration in your life? Turn to Psalm 118. It's powerful. There was rejoicing in the streets of Jerusalem. His arrival was met with a flurry of activity, and not just in the streets, but also in the temple courts. It was Passover. Millions of people had gathered into Jerusalem to experience this annual celebration of God's merciful deliverance from the hand of the oppressive, uh, uh, oppression of Egypt. And now here they were, and all types of activity is taking place. Jesus witnesses people as they're bustling here and there. Some were selling animals for sacrifice. There was commotion. There was commerce as buyers and sellers competed for the best prices for sacrificial lambs or turtle doves that they would use to make an offering unto the Lord. And what should have been a memorable experience of personal interaction between God and man had been downgraded. It had been degraded into a first-class fundraising event. Animals were being bought and sold in the temple courtyard like a sidewalk sale in a downtown shopping center. Exploitation and unfair advantage was being taken by religious leaders as they reduced the experience of worship into an opportunity to make a profit. And instead of the temple being a place where people could meet with God, it had become a place, it had been turned into a place, a marketplace of merchants. And as Jesus comes into the city of Jerusalem, as he enters the temple courts, to the shouts of the praise of people around him, he sees all this taking place. And that's when the anger of the Lord arises. 
Jesus starts turning over the money changers' tables. He's knocking things over with a whip of small cords. He begins driving out the money changers from the temple area. And he says in the hearing of an entire audience of people who are looking aghast at what's taking place, my house shall be called a house of prayer. But you're making it a den of robbers. Now his actions immediately angered the Jewish religious group. They recognize the temple is God's house and Jesus makes this statement, my house will be called a house of prayer. They understand that Jesus is making himself equivalent with God. My house will be called a house of prayer. And so all eyes are on him. Now the truth of the matter is the religious crowd was always watching what Jesus would do. Mark chapter 3 tells us that they watched him to see if he would heal on the Sabbath day. Would he violate the sabbatical rules, the laws? And they weren't really interested in a man being healed. What they were interested in was finding a reason to accuse Jesus. reason to criticize him. And the truth of the matter is, ladies and gentlemen, God always knows the motives of people. Amen? He looks on the heart. He knows each one of us individually. He knows each one of us personally. He knows and judges the heart. And so Jesus, when he says, my house shall be called a house of prayer, but you're making it a den of thieves, was elevating himself to God himself and He's upset, he's angry. His house is being turned into something other than what he had intended. This is one of the few places in all of the Word of God where you find Jesus angry. Most of the time, Jesus is joyful. He says, let the little children come to me. And because of such is the kingdom of heaven, I, I love seeing the little children as they were making their way out of the worship service this morning to go to their own uh, opportunity to hear the Word of God. And thank God for those who are working with the little children. Amen? Praise the Lord. You need to pat them on the back every Sunday and say, thank you for teaching my children about Jesus. Jesus was customarily kind, customarily friendly, customarily approachable. But in this instance, we see the anger of the Lord being elevated. Righteous indignation is flowing out of him as he sees his house being transformed into something other than what it was to be. And so Jesus stands up to defend the honor, the integrity of the house of the Lord, the house that once again he defined as my house. Now if you examine this sentence here in Matthew 21, you'll know the emphasis on what God's house is supposed to be. My house shall be called a house of prayer, but you are making it a den of thieves, of robbers. Instead of making it a a place of prayer, it's being transformed into something less. Now, I need to emphasize this point. Jesus wants his house. He wants Bangor Community Church to be a house of prayer. He wants his church, no matter where it's planted, no matter where it's located, to be a house of prayer, a place 
where people can meet with God, a place where hurting souls can experience healing, a place where lost people can find Jesus and his direction for their life, a house of recovery, a house of prayer. Jesus said, my house shall be called a house of prayer. And what Jesus is really saying is the word on the street about my house should be that it's a house of prayer. And so I want to ask you, what's the word on the street about Bangor Community Church? What do the women say in the local beauty parlor when they're talking about their community? What do they say when someone asks them, do you know about a church in Bangor that I could take my family to? What's the word on the street? Is it a positive word? You need to go down to that church because the church has the presence of the Lord. That church is a house of prayer. What is it that men talk about in the cafe when Bangor Community Church comes up? Are they talking about unity? Are they talking about peace? Are they talking about the grace of God? Is it a place of joy, a place of salvation? What's the word on the street? Jesus said, my house shall be called a house of prayer. But you're making it a den of thieves. Now, in truth, it really didn't matter what they were making it. He accused them of making it a den of thieves, but they could have been making it a galley of gossip. Oh, I've known churches where that happened. Oh, you, did you hear about so-and-so? Did you hear about such? They could have been making it a place of continued hurt and continued pain. He could have said, you're turning this into a circus, a sideshow. He could have said, you're, you're turning this into a contest on the latest fashion trends. Did you see that hat? Did you see that dress? The point is they were making it into something other than what God intended. Now, I don't know who rules your house. I don't know how things work in Northern Ireland. A number of years ago, my wife and I rented some property for our dwelling place. We'd moved to a new location. I was serving as an assistant pastor for about four years, and knowing that it wasn't a long-term assignment. We didn't purchase the house. We rented it for a number of months. I didn't own the place. And the owner of the house said, I don't want you changing the color of the walls. I don't want you moving walls around. He told me I couldn't remodel the kitchen and all of the type of things. He owned the house. He made the rules. Is that the way it works in Northern Ireland? If you own the house, you make the rules. One day I bought my own house, and I got to make the rules. My children didn't make the rules. They didn't tell me, Dad, you got to be in by 10 p.m. I made the rules. I set the standard for my own children. It was my house. And so let me just say, in God's house, we don't get to make the rules. He's the one that gets to make the rules, ladies and gentlemen, of what his house ought to be and what we ought to be doing to make his house a house of prayer, a house that he's designed it to be. And in our lives, we've got to be careful that we don't violate God's rules. You see, when the Jews violated God's intention, Jesus became angry. Now, you don't see him angry often in the Bible, but it does happen. 
Revelation 19 says, I saw the heavens opened, and there before me was a white horse whose rider is called Faithful and True, and with justice he judges and he makes war. His eyes are like a blazing fire. And he has a name written on him that no one knows but he himself. He's dressed in a robe that's been dipped in blood. And he's carrying a sword. The armies of heaven are following him, riding on white horses. And coming out of his mouth is a sharp two-edged sword with which he will judge and rule the nations. Ruling them with an iron scepter to tread the winepress of the fury of the wrath of God Almighty. On his robe and on his thigh is a name written, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. My Bible tells me one of these days the kingdoms of this world are going to become the kingdoms of our God. He's the one that makes the rules. Now I want you to notice with me that Jesus cleanses the temple. And after he does this, the word of God says, in verse number 14, the blind and the lame came to him at the temple and he healed them. We see Jesus restoring order to the temple because when God's house operates the way God intended, that house of prayer becomes a house of power. Blind eyes are open. Lame people are being healed. And that's what Jesus wants for this church, Bangor Community Church, that this house of prayer be a house of the power of the Lord where people can experience that renewal and restoration. The blind came. And their eyes were opened. The crippled came and their limbs were healed. Now we're not told how many were healed, but I can only assume all of them because that's what happens when Jesus shows up. He heals all of the sick. Because when the healer is in the house, the sick are made whole. When the healer is in the house, the lost are saved. In other words, when God's house is operating the way God intended it to operate... It's a house of power. I'm persuaded that our world today doesn't need more religion. Our world desperately needs more of the power of God resident in your life and in my life. He made you and he made me a vessel of the Holy Spirit so that wherever we go, he will be present there. Jesus said, behold, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. He wants your house to be a house of power, a house of prayer. He wants you and your spouse. He wants you and your family members united together under the common purpose of making your house a house where God is pleased to dwell by his spirit. What the world needs is a manifestation of God's power. They need to see God's people doing the work of God in God's way, a spirit of unity, a spirit of prayer. It's been about 12 years ago now that we began a building project. Probably I should go back a few years before then because the building project actually began the first week that I became pastor at Ulaga Assembly of God. The church had already made a decision that we were landlocked in our present location. We needed to relocate to a parcel of land and 
we located that piece of land, 22 acres, and by faith we stepped out and we purchased that land, not having the money, but just having faith in God. Believing that God wanted us to advance, believing that God wanted us to go forward so that we could make a continuing, lasting impact on our community and on the region around us. Because as a pastor with vision, I realized that I didn't want to just be a community church located in a neighborhood. I wanted to be a regional church reaching out to communities all around us where people could experience the power of God. And so we purchased that parcel of land and paid for it in four years and then took the, the next step to begin the building process. We raised money for three years and had about $350,000 that we'd saved toward the building program. And let me tell you, once we started, that evaporated more rapidly than I could have ever imagined. And so I signed on the line at the local bank for $1.5 million. And I spent some sleepless nights initially until one night as I was praying, God spoke to me and said, don't you worry about this. This is my work. This is my business. And I'm going to take care of what belongs to me. I've never worried about it again. God's always been there to take care of the need. We built a building that's 20,000 square feet on that 22 acres. And for the last 12 years we've been worshiping the Lord there. It's out on a four-lane highway where people can visibly see what God has done. And I've worked in our church to make it a place of prayer, a place of God's power, a place of unity where people can experience the goodness of God. The best thing that you can do to advance the kingdom of God in your neighborhood, in your area, is love one another and be unified in the purpose of God's plan for your life and for this church. See, when the power of God is present, the Bible says here that his house becomes a house of praise. Verse number 15 says, When the chief priests and the teachers of the law saw the wonderful things that he did, and the children shouting in the temple courts, Hosanna to the son of David. They were indignant. It's really interesting. They became upset. They became incensed, indignant because the blind eyes were being opened and the lame people were being healed. They weren't ashamed of the emptiness. They weren't ashamed of their religious observance. They weren't ashamed of their powerless, purposeless, pointless sacrifices. They were indignant when people started getting healed. You can always tell the difference between a religious heart and a heart that is hungry for Jesus. A religious heart is one that's going to get upset when God starts doing things that we don't think are in order. When God shows up, religious people will get mad, but those who are hungry for the Lord will rejoice and they'll find joy because if you're hungry for Jesus Christ, when he shows up, you're going to celebrate the presence of the Lord. I love that celebration of the presence of the Lord that I felt here this morning as we were led into the presence of the Lord in worship. If you don't have an appetite for God, you're going to be indignant. The chief priest said in verse 16, Do you hear what these children are saying? They asked him. 
Jesus replies, have you never heard from the lips of children and infants? Lord, you've called forth praise. Oh, I love what Brother Chris, I believe his name, the guitarist, said this morning about his little two nieces. Beautiful little girls, frustrated, overwhelmed by the pressures of the day, and yet two little children, infants, saying praise singing praises to the Lord. Beautiful one I love. Beautiful one I adore. Beautiful one my soul must sing. And it transformed the situation. It transformed the entire atmosphere of what was being experienced. Can I tell you this morning, child of God, praise to the Lord transforms the atmosphere. Let me just make it practical. I know you and your wife never fight. I know you and your spouse never get in disagreement. It happens in the Jensen household occasionally. And I've learned along the way that if I'll just close my mouth for a moment and offer prayer to the Lord and thank him for his goodness and his mercy, Thank him for the beautiful wife, the beautiful family that he's given me. All of a sudden, the the opposition, all of a sudden, the division doesn't seem to be nearly so essential or important. What I'm saying is, I turned that place of struggle, that place of what God did not intend it to be, into something that he does intend it to be. And it happens in every avenue of our life. See, God wants to make his house of prayer so that it becomes a house of power and so that we bring forth praise. Now, this passage closes with a warning to us. Because Jesus was angered, because Jesus was disappointed, the Bible says he leaves that place. There's a scene in the book of Ezekiel where the prophet of God sees the Spirit of God being lifted off of the temple area. And the Spirit of the Lord vacated that place. Ezekiel prophesied of how the Spirit of the Lord was being lifted because the temple of God was not what it was supposed to be in that hour. We know that they would undergo years of oppression in a foreign land until eventually God would bring them back to the land. Jesus leaves the temple. The last thing you want is for Jesus to leave the house of God. You want him to be here. When you come into the house of the Lord, you want him to be present in worship. You want him to be present in the preaching of the word of God. You want him to be present when you worship, praise, prayer. You want him there. And so my word to you at Bangor Community Church is make sure we're making God's house what he intended it to be. A place where marriages are being restored through faith and through prayer. A place where families are being built up, where drug addicts can come and experience the mercy of the Lord for deliverance, where healing can take place, the blind coming and the lame walking, amen, as we by faith have equipped ourselves and prepared ourselves before we get to the house of God so that we can be vessels the Lord uses for his glory. 
It's not just a worship team. It's not just a pastor who needs to come to the house of the Lord prepared. We all need to be ready, willing vessels saying, Lord, here am I. Use me to be a blessing to someone else. I learned years ago that you may be the key to what God wants to do to unlock a service. On a Sunday morning, sitting in church, small, not not nearly a building this size where I was saved. 30 by 60 was the entire structure. But over 100 people were gathering there in worship. I shared this at the conference that from October until October of 1985 until January of 1986 when I was saved, more than 60 people had discovered Jesus as their personal Savior in a revival that was taking place. And that revival went on and continued for many months. I was sitting in church a few weeks after I was saved. And I felt like God telling me to get up and go pray with someone. And I didn't obey the Lord. I kept sitting there. Who am I that I would get up and make a move toward the front? And I shared what I felt in my heart with a godly man later that afternoon. I I said, brother, I just felt really compelled that I needed to do this during the service. And that's when I learned that you may be the key to what God wants to do in a specific service. Well, how many of you know God is merciful and he's the God of second chances? That Sunday night, that same feeling just crept back into my life. And this time, having been encouraged by someone in the Lord, I said, I'm going to do what God said I should do. And I got up and went and laid hands on a brother in the Lord. And I said, God just told me to get up and come and pray with you and tell you that the Holy Spirit is going to do an amazing work in your life. And that man began to weep and he began to cry and he fell to the floor in the middle of the church, in the middle of a group of people. God's presence showed up. And more and more began to press into the altar. And the Holy Spirit began to fall upon that place because it was a place of prayer. It became a place of power. And it resulted in praise to God being offered. And can I tell you, God wants Bangor Community Church to be that kind of a place. Hallelujah. A place where people of God are praising Him. Amen. Go ahead and give Him praise. Jesus is delighted to show up in our lives. I'd like for our musicians and singers to come back to the platform. Jesus is delighted to show up in our lives, ladies and gentlemen. As we establish ourselves under the dominion of his rule. He's delighted to show up in our lives as we establish ourselves under the dominion of his rule. My house shall be called a house of prayer. I made a decision in my life that I want the Jensen household to be a place where Jesus shows up, a place of prayer. I want the Assembly of God to be a house of worship where Jesus shows up, a house of prayer. Sister Karen said she's got a prayer meeting that's going to be taking place Tuesday night. Make this a house of prayer. Make this a place where the presence of the Lord can move freely in your life and in the lives of those 
that you minister to. All around this building, I invite you to join with me as together we stand. Lord, to help us to take this word today, Jesus, and apply it into our lives. I recognize that prayer is one of the deepest areas of struggle that so many of your people face. Give us a proper perspective of prayer, Heavenly Father, that it's not monologue, but that it's dialogue. A place where we communicate with you and we listen intently to your voice. A place, Lord, where as prayer is being offered, your power is demonstrated and broken lives are transformed by the working of your Holy Spirit. Father, be pleased to move freely in Bangor Community Church. Be pleased to move freely in the homes of those who worship here. And Father, use every one of us as men and women of faith operating in prayer. For your word tells us that our bodies are the temple of the Holy Spirit where you dwell. Be pleased, Heavenly Father, to work in our hearts and in our lives. As heads are bowed and eyes are closed. I just want to take a moment to invite you to experience Jesus. I think it'd be appropriate if every person who calls Bangor Community Church their home church to come and to ask the Holy Spirit to fill you with the spirit of prayer. As our worship team leads us in praise in just a moment, ask the Lord to demonstrate his power here at this church so that this community church would be a light shining in this region and that people from all over Northern Ireland would be able to encounter the power of God in their lives and that fresh praise would flow forth from this place so that the word on the street will be that Bangor Community Church is a place where you can experience the love and the anointing of God's Holy Spirit. That Bangor Community Church is filled with people who love God and love one another. Let's come into his presence this morning as the worship team leads us in praise. Let God fill you this morning with his grace and his power. Hallelujah. Thank you for joining us. We look to God that he will direct your steps and blessings through this week. For more information, visit us at bangercommunitychurch.co.uk or find us on Facebook.